Shalom and praise the Lord, brethren. My name is Grace Wojiambo, and I love the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. How are you doing since we were last together? I trust you are well. I testify of the faithfulness of God upon my life and my family. He has kept us well. He, he has preserved our lives. And indeed, we have seen him at work in our lives, and we are grateful. We are very grateful to God. And we are grateful that he has kept you well as well, and that uh, he is working in your life as he is working in my life. Now, last uh, time we were together, we began uh, the attributes of God and God's character uh, that we call moral attributes, moral attributes of God. And we did uh, the goodness of God, the love of God, and now we will want to continue on the other attributes. We are studying the character of God, and now we are learning there are those that we can cluster together as moral attributes of God. And so before we continue, I'd like us to pray together. Our Father and our God, in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we are eternally grateful this day, O God, for your grace and your mercy towards our lives, our Father. Indeed, we do not deserve what we have received from you but by your grace and mercy, O oh God, you have been gracious to us, and we are grateful this day, O oh God. We testify that you are a good God. We testify that you are a loving God. You, indeed, you are love itself. We have experienced you in our lives, O oh God, and we desire more and more of you. Oh, that we may know you more and more, that we may experience you more and more, O oh God. Because your word tells us that them that know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Father, we desire to be strong, especially in such times as this. And we also desire to do exploits for you. So we pray that you reveal yourself to us more and more, even as we continue to study your word. Be exalted and glorified, our God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So today we want to start on the attributes, like I have prayed, <laughs> attributes of the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the patience of God. We want to take them together like a cluster. <clears throat> Excuse me. So these attributes of God, mercy, grace, and patience, may be seen as specific aspects of God's goodness when it is used for the benefit of specific classes of people. Of course, there is that way that you, you, you have the definition of God's mercy, God's grace. But allow me to use this uh, definition today, whereby we are referring to them according to God's goodness when it is used for the benefit of specific classes of people that we are going to mention. So, uh, God's mercy, in definition, according to this definition, means God's goodness toward those in misery and distress. God's mercy means God's goodness toward those in misery and in distress. 
And in God's grace, it means God's goodness towards those who deserve only punishment. That's God's grace. And God's patience means God's goodness in withholding of punishment towards those who sin over a period of time. Now, these three characteristics of God's character are often mentioned together, especially in the Old Testament. For example, in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, we read, And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. So God introduced himself to Moses as merciful, gracious, and long-suffering. In uh, Psalm 103, verse 8, we read, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Okay, so it shows us they are normally taken together. And that is why we have taken them together here. But even then, we want to look at each one of them uh, in a very, very briefly. Actually, what we do here is very brief because of the amount of time that we have. So the characteristic of God's mercy in particular is often emphasized where people are in misery or distress, as mentioned earlier in the definition. When one has sinned, and are facing judgment, God's mercy is extended to that person in forgiving them though they deserve, although they don't deserve it. Though they don't deserve the forgiveness, God's mercy is extended to that person who has sinned and is facing judgment. God's mercy is extended to that person in forgiving them though they may not deserve it. They do not deserve it. In scripture, we read 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 14. This is one example that we, can, we have where uh, David said to God, the prophet, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercies are great. David found himself facing God's judgment for his sin of numbering the people of Israel. And so he depended on God's great mercy for himself and for the nation. And that is why he was telling the prophet, because he had been given uh, um, uh, options, what would he want? And so he said, let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great. David knew that God is a God of mercy. And so he depended on God's mercy when he was in great distress. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27, uh, we read, when Jesus departed from there, where is there? Where he had raised a ruler's daughter back to life. That's where he was. Two blind men followed him, crying out in their distress and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. They were crying out to Jesus in their distress. Yeah? So we can also cry out to God in our distress. Well, these men, is like they were saying, intervene in our lives, O God. Give us our sight. 
they were crying out to God. They knew that God, that Jesus, was a God of mercy. And that is why they were crying out to him. Nobody else had shown them mercy. They knew Jesus was a God of mercy. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, we read, <clears throat> excuse me. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to, to help in time of need. Are you in distress? Are you in misery? Have you sinned and you know you're facing judgment? Draw near to God. Draw near to his throne and you will receive both mercy and, you, and, and also grace. In James chapter 5 verse 11, we read that the, the, the reason why God allowed Job to go through the situation he went through is that God, that the result would be that people would find that God is a compassionate God and God of mercy. So even in every situation you may find yourself in, remember that God is a God of mercy. Cry out to him for mercy. Hallelujah. And because mercy is a communicable attribute of God, we are to imitate God's mercy in our conduct towards others. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, we are told, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful. If you show mercy to others, you're blessed. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. God is introduced as the God of mercies and God of all comfort. So we are able to comfort others. We are able to show them mercy because we have received the same from God. You receive mercy and you extend mercy to others. Now, in respect to the attribute of God's grace, we find the scripture emphasizes that God's grace or his favor towards those who deserve no favor but only punishment. That's what we read uh, earlier in uh, the definition, that God's grace is his favor towards those who deserve no favor but only punishment. So scripture emphasizes that God's grace is never obligated. That means that God is never compelled or bound to show favor. You cannot force God to show favor. Instead, it is always freely given on God's part. God freely gives his favor. He chooses by himself when and to whom to show his grace. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 19, we read God saying to Moses, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have mercy or compassion on whom I will have mercy. So it is God's custom or delight to show mercy towards those who love him. So when we love the Lord, he will show mercy to us. Amen. Peter calls him in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, the God of all grace. Yeah, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. Let us read this. 
faith, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, perfect establish, strengthen, and settle you. The God of all grace. He is the God of all grace. Hallelujah. In his writings, Paul emphasizes that salvation is by grace alone and not by human effort. A freely given gift. Romans chapter 3 from verse 23 to 24 in part. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. None of the redeemed can boast of their redemption. It's freely acquired. None of us can ever boast. Anything earned by works will merit a reward. You can demand for the wages or for the reward because you worked for it. But this is not so with grace. Grace then is God's favor freely given to those who do not deserve this favor. So we should be grateful to God for his unmerited favor to us who did not deserve it. We receive God's grace by faith because faith involves trust in or dependence upon the Lord. Faith is devoid of self-reliance. It does not have aspects of self-reliance. Neither does it attempt to gain righteousness by human effort. Romans chapter 4 verse 16 tells us, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. We depend on God's grace for our entire Christian life. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, it says, Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We can only say the same with Paul. Yeah? Because we have not earned God's favor. We do not deserve it. The grace of God enables us to do the work of ministry as well. In Acts 14 verse 26, Paul and Barnabas here say, had been commended. It's a report, uh, reported to us that Paul and Barnabas had been commended or entrusted to the grace of God for the work which they had completed that was in Antioch. We can see success in our ministries as we depend upon God's continuing grace upon us. Paul appreciated God's grace to the extent that he used it as an apostolic blessing in his letters. In Romans chapter 1 verse 6, this is grace to you and peace from God our Father. Romans 16 verse 20, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the very familiar uh, phrase that we use at the end of every meeting of prayer, we say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship or communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Paul really, really appreciated the grace of God. And so should we. That even when we minister to others, when we are blessing others, we say grace be to you. The grace of our Lord Jesus be upon you. What about God's patience? Similarly, it has been mentioned previously in connection with God's mercy. We have read in the Old Testament, 
frequently refers to God as one who is slow to anger and who is long-suffering towards his people. We mentioned earlier Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 where God introduces himself to Moses as the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Remember <clears throat> that we said God's patience means God's goodness in withholding of punishment towards those who sin over a period of time. Okay. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions. God does not delight in wickedness, and his desire is that all experience his saving grace. So he waits patiently that we would repent and turn to him so that he would forgive us. Someone said on a light note that long-suffering is the higher or stronger gear to patience. That when patience runs out, you engage the gear of long-suffering. There are many more scriptures in the Old Testament that portray that our God is long-suffering and abundant in mercy. And we may not read them all, but let me mention just a few. Psalm 86 and verse 15. And then Psalm 103 verse 8. Psalm 145 verse 8, Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. Those are in the Old Testament. But even in the New Testament, we find the same reference. Like in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul asks, or do you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Yeah. This is God's riches in his long-suffering. Do not take God's long-suffering for granted. Act now while it is today. Appreciate him for having waited for you for so long. And now commit to living for him. If you're born again, appreciate God for his long-suffering because he waited for you. And even then, even as in, uh, in our uh, Christian life, he's still long-suffering towards us. So we should continually appreciate God for his long-suffering. Even if you are not born again, God has been patient towards you because he wants you to be born again. First Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, it testifies that Jesus Christ showed all long-suffering to him first, that is to Paul. It's Paul talking. He was uh, talking to Timothy testifying that Jesus Christ showed all long-suffering to him first as an example for others. You all know Paul lived a soul and God was long-suffering towards him. You are not an exception. Amen. You are not an exception. That even you, God, is showing his long-suffering towards you. But we are also to imitate God's patience or long-suffering, and be slow to anger or wrath, as in James chapter 1 verse 19 that says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath or slow to anger. This is in connection to our relationship with others, that your God expects us, even as he has been patient with us, 
but even as we should be patient with others, with one another. Slow to wrath, slow to anger. Don't just say, that is how I am, that I am quick-tempered. No, 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 no. God wants to change you, to transform you, that you may be like himself, slow to anger. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, it talks of patience in suffering as Christ was. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. That even in suffering, you can be patient. If you're suffering for good, you can be patient and it is commendable before God. In that, in due time, God will intervene in your situation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, patience is listed among the fruit of the Spirit. So as we grow in Christ, the fruit becomes more and more mature in you, even the segment of patience. James chapter 5, verse 7 to 8, it says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Either, uh, to concerning the promises of God, let us be patient because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not give up, brethren. Wait patiently for the Lord. He will fulfill whatever he has promised in due time. The Lord Jesus shall commend us as he did the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. He says, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. Oh, that God would commend us as he commanded the church in Ephesus, that he knows our patience. God takes notice of everything we do and everything that we go through, and none is put to waste. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I would like us to move to another uh, attribute, the attribute of holiness. We don't have very much time. The attribute of God's holiness. God's holiness means that he is separated from sin and devoted to seeking his own honor. God's holiness means that God is separated from sin and devoted to seeking his own honor. Amen. It also means to be set apart or to be blameless, that God is blameless. He is set apart. God introduced to mankind his holiness in the way the tabernacle was constructed. The tabernacle itself was a place separate from the evil and sin of the world. And the first room that was covered was called their holy place. This was dedicated to God's service. But there was also another room. In Exodus chapter 26, verse 33, it says, The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy place. Now, the most holy place, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, was the place most separated from evil and sin and most fully devoted to God's service. God would speak to his people from there. In Psalm 24, verse 3, God's dwelling place is made said to be holy. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Ask the psalmist. The, the answer to this question in verses 4 to 6 
is a qualification of such a people who would stand in the holy place of God because his dwelling place is holy. In Exodus chapter 30, verses 25 to 33, we read of the consecration of the temple and all the articles within it that they may be most holy, those articles, for the dedication to God's service and God's service only. Aaron and his sons were also consecrated Yeah, they were consecrated. They were made holy that they would minister to the holy God. They were set apart. They were separated from ordinary tasks, from evil and sin, and dedicated to God's service. God himself is the most holy one. We've, done, we, we've talked about uh, uh, his place is holy. But he himself, if his place is holy, how about himself? He is the most holy one. Psalm 71 verse 22. We read in part. To you I will sing with the harp. O holy one of Israel. O holy one of Israel. We read this in Psalm 78 as well. Verse 41. Psalm 89 verse 14. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 4. The holy one of Israel. That is our God. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, the seraphim around God's throne cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, the four living creatures around the throne, day and night never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The fact that these verses, <coughs> excuse me, mention the word holy three times has a significance. Often in scripture, repetition means to draw the reader's attention to a certain quality or phrase in a passage. So take note of the holiness of God. He is holy, holy, holy. Psalm 99 verse 9, the psalmist exclaims, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Oh, worship him. Exalt the Lord, worship him, for he is holy. God's holiness is a communicable attribute, and so he commands us to imitate him. The Lord speaking to Moses in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2, he, he says, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. First Peter chapter 1 verse 15, Apostle Peter says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. God expects us, brethren, to be separated from evil and sin in all our ways of life, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, our reactions. He expects us to be set apart for his holy use, to be devoted to him in serving him and obeying him. God enables us to live according to his high calling. Thank you, Jesus. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Strive or pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. God is serious about this holiness attributes and we should be also. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises or exhortations, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Brethren, let this be a continuous practice to us as individuals and also as a church collectively for God demands that we grow in holiness then we shall qualify to stand in his holy place as we read earlier in Psalm 24 verse 3 I'd like us <coughs> excuse me I'd like us to pray at this point remembering that God is a holy God and that he desires and demands that we be holy because he is holy. He wants us to be separated from the evils of the world. He wants us to be separated so that we may serve him, that we may worship him as a separated people. How can we come before a holy God unless we ourselves have been cleansed have been made holy even by the blood of the Lamb. We thank God that we have also read about his grace and his mercy, his long-suffering. So we are grateful to God because he has been graceful, gracious. He has been merciful to us in the past. And we are asking him today that he may make us holy as he is holy. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are so grateful, O oh God, to know you more and more, to be reminded of who you are, the God that we serve, that you are a holy God and that you demand holiness, that you desire that the people who worship you, the people who serve you, may be a holy people. Aaron and his sons had to be anointed they had to be separated they had to be made holy dedicated to you for your service today oh god we are all priests unto you our god and so we ask this day won't you wash us by the blood of the lamb won't you help us to be separated to you oh god that in all our lives in our business lives oh god we shall remember that we are separated unto the Lord for his holy use. In our jobs, in all that we do, in our relationships, in our families, oh God, in our relationships with other people, Jehovah, we shall remember we are not like any other people. We are separated to God that he will use us. Gracious God, how would you use us unless we are separated for you? So this day we are praying, oh God, wash us, cleanse us, forgive us for many times we have defiled ourselves. Many times we have defiled ourselves, oh God, in, in 
inter, in our interactions, in our interactions with people, oh God, we have defiled ourselves, our Father. And we ask this day that you may wash us in your precious blood, that you may cleanse us, oh God, oh, that we may be holy, for you are holy, oh God. Cover us with the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that may the righteousness of Christ may be imparted even inside us, oh God. Work it out in our very fabrics, in our own lives, our Father, that when we speak, we speak as a holy people, oh God. So from within our God, working in us, deep inside our hearts, our attitudes, our imaginations, oh God, that they shall be holy unto the Lord. May the meditations of our hearts be acceptable before you as holy, oh God, that even when we speak, we shall speak holiness unto the Lord. Father, we dedicate ourselves to you afresh. We rededicate ourselves to you afresh, oh God. And we say, make us holy, for we are your children. We are your people, oh God. And we desire to be used of you as a holy people. We bless your name. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We draw near to your throne, O God, your throne of grace, that we may receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. For indeed, this is a time of need, even for us, our God. And we are grateful that you have made a way for us, that we do not, uh, we are not desperate because we don't know how to. But you have told us to stretch.